0: Vocational ministry is not for the faint-hearted, which is why God's call must be settled in the heart of a pastor or missionary. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul reluctantly boasts about the ministry challenges he faced. For example, Paul writes, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Paul goes on to expose the very real dangers, toils, and snares he experienced as a minister of the gospel. Has God called you to serve him vocationally in ministry? If he truly has, don't let anything keep you from fulfilling the ministry he entrusted to you. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good.
1: In his first letter to the Corinthian church, the Apostle Paul was disciplinary. In his second, he was defensive. What changed? Find out next on today's edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Well, the Apostle Paul wasn't always an apostle. He was once Saul of Tarsus, who persecuted the followers of Christ and did so in the name of Christ. After his conversion and subsequent rise to a position of authority in the church, some in Corinth still doubted his credentials. Paul wrote 2 Corinthians to defend his ministry, and Ron takes us to that defense today as he continues his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, Here's Dr. Ron Jones with his message, Second Corinthians, Defense of Ministry.
0: Well, vocational ministry is not for the faint-hearted, which is why God's call must be settled in the heart of a pastor or a missionary. Now, sometimes even lay leaders discover that church life is fraught with many dangers, toils, and snares. Um, wouldn't surprise me if a few uh, elders and deacons might shout an amen at that point, because they're, they're really on the front lines of ministry. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul uh, finds himself in the unenviable position of having to defend his ministry against those who are taking shots at him. And he reluctantly boasts about the ministry challenges he faced. For example, in chapter 11 and verse 24, and you got you to strap on your seatbelt a little bit tighter for this. Paul's going to give us and the Corinthians a glimpse behind the scenes into what challenges he experienced in ministry. Verse 24, he says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews, the 40 lashes less one. This was a Roman way of torturing. They thought the 40th lash would kill the person. So (laughs) by their grace, they said, we'll just do 39. Five times Paul went through that. He had the scars on his back to prove it. He goes on to say, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day, I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, danger, danger, Will Robinson, right? I mean, it was, it was dangers everywhere for Paul. He really didn't write that part of it, but in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often food. Or without food and cold and exposure. And apart from the other things, he says, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? I wonder if anybody's ready to sign up for ministry today. You know, maybe we ought to put this on the on the front end of any application for a would-be pastor or a missionary. Are you ready to sign up for something like this? Serving the Lord can be a dangerous endeavor, as the Apostle Paul makes abundantly clear from his personal experience here. And our next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible features Paul's uh, humble response and his powerful defensive ministry to the Corinthians. And a group of Corinthians, a minority group will learn, but who are just dogging him in the ministry and undermining his leadership. Second Corinthians is the most uh, personal and autobiographical epistle that Paul wrote. You might remember remember in Romans, he soars theologically. While in his Corinthian letters, this great apostle displays his missionary heart and his uh, pastoral skills. He loves the Corinthians, but he also grieves how false apostles from Jerusalem crept into the church and undermined his apostolic authority, turning the Corinthians away from the spiritual father who birthed them into the body of Christ and introduced them to Jesus. After he penned 1 Corinthians, Paul learned that some of the problems he had addressed persisted, while other difficulties uh, arose. Uh, For example, these false teachers arrived in Corinth and convinced some of the congregation that Paul was dishonest that he was unimpressive, that he was unqualified and unfit to serve as an apostle. Well, Paul sent Titus to deal with the situation and uh, to report back to him. And when he hadn't heard from Titus in a while, Paul decided to travel to Troas and then immediately left from there to go to Macedonia to find Titus. And eventually they, they connected, and Titus gave a mostly positive report to Paul, encouraging him that a majority of the Corinthians now supported his leadership. However, there was a small opposition led by a group of loyal Jews known as the Judaizers that remained in Corinth. And that small opposition was stirring things up and and tearing the great apostle down. From Macedonia, Paul wrote 2 Corinthians to thank the majority for their support and then to make a personal appeal to this uh, minority opposition. And you may remember that uh, in his first letter to the Corinthians, his overall tone was, was disciplinary. I mean, this was a messed up church. Again, they had a, a long distance to travel from their, their pagan roots to Christianity. Uh, there was immorality in the church. There were divisions and factions within the church. There was a lot of cleaning up that the Apostle Paul had to do. His tone was disciplinary. But in his second letter to the Corinthians, his tone is more defensive. Not that the Apostle Paul was was defensive, but he, again, was in that unenviable position where he had to defend his ministry. Uh, Later in the book, he talks about uh, boasting uh, a little bit of his ministry. He says, if you just allow me a little bit of foolishness. I hate hate to do this. I hate to talk about myself, but I need to because of the false accusations. If you're looking for a 30,000-foot view of 2 Corinthians, there in your notes in the chart, chapters 1 to 7, Paul describes his ministry. Then in chapters 8 and 9, he kind of takes a different route and encourages the Corinthian believers to participate in an offering that he was collecting for the poor in Jerusalem. And it is one of the most uh, impressive sections of Scripture in the New Testament on financial stewardship in the local church and growing in the grace of generosity. And then in chapters 10 to 13, Paul really gets to the business of defending his ministry. Another way to look at it is chapters one through nine, he addresses the majority of people in the church who support his leadership. And in chapters 10 through 13, he addresses the minority opposition, and he's nicer than I would be. He's more humble and gracious. But he gives us a great example on how, when somebody is opposing your leadership, how to go about doing that. Got the big picture? Let's dive in a little bit. Let's talk about how Paul d- describes his ministry. He begins with some gracious salutations, and then thanks God for comforting him during his recent afflictions. All of this opposition weighed heavily upon him, and uh, they were serious enough for him to admit in verse, um, in chapter 1, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. And this was a tough time for Paul. All the dangers and trials and snares and toils that he had been through, and on top of that, to have this group rising up from within the church in Corinth and going after him. Well, Paul's difficulties, he said, made him rely on God more, the God who raises from the dead. He says, we had the sentence of death on us. We thought this was the end, but God who raises the dead, well, that made him even more grateful and he found comfort in that. Paul, uh, the apostle, quickly tells the Corinthians why his visit to them was delayed. It was not because his desire to see them had changed. He was not a fickle friend saying, oh, I'm going to come see you, and then deciding not to. Rather, he wanted to give them more time to repent and to get their house in order. He didn't want to come to them and have to be stern with them. So he gives them more time to you know, clean up the immorality and the divisions and to, to assess themselves in relation to the first letter that he wrote. He assured them of his trustworthiness by saying in chapter 1 and verse 18, as surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. I, I'm going I'm to get there in due time, he says. The apostle of grace then turns his attention to the subject of forgiveness. And restoration after discipline was implemented on a church member.
1: Still ahead, the second half of Dr. Roncho's Something Good radio message 2 Corinthians, defense of ministry. Need prayer today? Visit somethinggoodradio.org and share your requests with us and our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer. Use the Explore option at the top of the homepage and then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You icon. While you're there, visit the Something Good Digital Library. You'll find more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones, Search the streaming library by scripture or topic and find answers to your Bible questions and grow in your Christian faith. There are crackpots and there are cracked pots. The first word is used to describe a foolish person. As for the second, Dr. Ron Jones explains it best. Let's join him now for the rest of today's Something Good radio message 2 Corinthians Defense of Ministry.
0: Uh, Do you remember that in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the immoral couple? And he told them to expel them from the congregation. Well apparently, according to an inference in the second letter, uh, there was repentance. And now he's encouraging them to receive him back into the fellowship. Now there is some question among Bible teachers as to exactly who Paul was referring to in the second letter. Most believe it was a reference to the immoral man in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter five. However, some believe that the second Corinthian letter refers to another situation in which uh, somebody in the church rose up against Paul's leadership and uh, opposed his leadership. In the end, it really doesn't matter which view is correct. What matters is that Paul instructed the church to exercise grace by receiving the offending man back into the fellowship since he had repented. And I always love that about the Apostle Paul. You know, somebody wants to describe Paul as a, an apostle of grit and grace. It took, to, took a gritty man to endure the uh, 39 lashes, or 40 lashes less one, five times. It took a lot of grit to deal with all the dangers and all that Paul went through, uh, but it also took a lot of grace to deal with people who were, uh, you know. 250-pound sandpaper, just abrasive toward the Apostle Paul. And when, when the situation called for grace and forgiveness and restoration, Paul was right there encouraging the Corinthians. Now that he's repented, receive him back into the fellowship. It's a beautiful thing, friends, to see broken relationships restored when true repentance and the grace of God are at work in a congregation. And both need to work hand in hand. Then Paul begins a lengthy description of his ministry to the Corinthians, starting with a discussion about how we are ministers of a new covenant. Maybe he was borrowing that phrase from Jesus on the night before he was crucified when he passed the cup to his disciples. And he says, this cup is... uh, as part of a new covenant I'm making with you. He says we, we minister as ministers of a new covenant. He compares his ministry to Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. And then he juxtaposed that idea and says, we, we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Paul also views himself and his ministry team as fragile and easily broken jars of clay. I love that picture and that phraseology in chapter 4. In other words, he says we're just all a bunch of cracked pots. Cracked pots, jars of clay through whom the light of the gospel and the glory of God shine. And he says, in spite of all the afflictions he's been through, in spite of all the troubles and the difficulties and the, and the burdens that he carries as, a, as an apostle, he says, we do not lose heart. Somebody needs to hear that today. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Though your outer self is wasting away, Paul says, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And then he goes on to refer to his afflictions. Are you ready for this? As momentary and light. You know, when you're going through it, it just doesn't feel momentary and light, whether it's a physical affliction or a relational affliction or whatever it might be. But Paul uh, says his afflictions were momentary and light compared to an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. Paul had this eternal perspective. But what he was going through right now was it was just going to last for a short time. Compared to, you know, the arc of eternity, do you have an eternal perspective like that? Does that get you through the tough times to know, hey, this, this is just a blip on the radar compared to the eternity God has for us? In chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, Paul continues offering this eternal perspective by comparing our, our bodies our physical bodies to a temporary tent he says while we're in this tent we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling which he says is a house not made with etern- with with hands rather but eternal in the heavens how many of you woke up this morning and groaned a little bit when you rolled out of bed and my back groans a little bit and, you know, my, my hip bone that's connected to my whatever bone is starting to groan a little bit more. We are not uh, physical beings. You've heard me say this before with a little bit of a spiritual side. We're spiritual beings, you know, housed in this temporary tent. A- and with all of creation, we groan for what we were created for because we live in a, in a fallen world. Paul reminds the Corinthians that we walk by faith and not by sight. And then he says in chapter 3, we, believers in Christ, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. What is that all about? Well, the judgment seat of Christ is for believers. I believe it happens during that seven-year tribulation period when the church is snatched out of this world, the rapture of the church, and before the second coming of Christ— while all this you know, hell breaking loose on planet earth is happening, believers are in heaven going through the judgment seat of Christ. Not a judgment to determine whether you're in heaven or not. That's already decided by, by your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a judgment that puts, well, a shining light on the works you have done since you came to faith in Christ. And Paul said in his first letter, it'll be it'll be like uh, you know some of it is like wood, hay, and stubble, and will burn up, and other like gold, silver, and precious stone. Somebody once described the judgment seat of Christ as like a high school graduation where everybody gets a, a diploma, but some graduate with honors. And that's why I say that heaven will be heavenly for everybody who is there by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but it will be more heavenly for some who receive eternal rewards and crowns and, uh, you know, atta boys and atta girls from the Lord himself that will have some impact on our responsibilities in heaven and our experience in heaven. Paul says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So serve faithfully. Yes. And don't devolve into these childish divisions is, is some of the implication there. Uh, Paul continues by emphasizing um, what he calls the ministry of reconciliation in chapter 5. What a fabulous section of scripture. He reminds us that we are reconciled through Christ to God. And as such, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. If anything should characterize our church, if anything should characterize our, re- our relationships, it ought to be. We're reconcilers, not dividers. Yes. Amen. If there's tension in your marriage, listen, God is in the reconciliation business. And, and this is a, a safe place in the church to come and find reconciliation. There shouldn't be unreconciled relationships in the church or in our families. He goes on to talk about the day of salvation in chapter 6. And Then the necessity of separateness and holiness and purity in the Christian life. He looks at the Corinthians and he says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I take that to mean be careful of the partnerships you form, business people. And be careful of who you marry. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that automatically limits your field to find a believer in Jesus Christ to marry. Because what what fellowship has light with darkness, he says. Don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Finally, the apostle expresses his joy after receiving news from Titus that the Corinthians had a change of heart toward him, that the majority of them now supported his leadership. I, I just read these first seven chapters and I I write down words like authenticity and trustworthiness. I mean, Paul's just describing. The kind of ministry that ought to characterize every one of us and every church that we're in. Then he shifts gears in chapters uh, eight and nine, and he invites the Corinthians to participate generously in a special offering that he was collecting for the poor in Jerusalem. See, Paul was a church planter and a missionary. The longest time he ever stayed at a church was three years, and that was in Ephesus. He stayed 18 months in Corinth, and then, you know, writing letters back and forth to kind of guide them through the experience. Um, but he went around to all the churches that he planted and he said, listen, there are some brothers and sisters in Christ in, in uh, Jerusalem that are having a hard time. Uh, they're poor and they need our help and their assistance. And he was inviting all these churches to participate. And he was coming back around to the Corinthians uh, because it appears they made a commitment to that offering a year ago. And he's now encouraging them uh, to step up and finish their commitment. And he uses some churches in Macedonia as inspiration.
1: Whether it's money or love or forgiveness, sometimes it can be hard to give those things away. Be encouraged by today's message from Dr. Ron Jones. When we give generously and cheerfully, even from our lack, God will multiply our gift so that it meets the needs of the recipient, and he will bless us exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all we can ask or think for having given it. Speaking of generous giving, as you may know, something good exists only through the faithful prayer and financial support of friends like you people are coming to faith in Christ through our media ministry and your donations are a big reason why. When you donate today, Ron will say thank you by giving you his new ebook that goes along with this series, Route 66: The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. The 7th of 8 ebooks in the series based on the Pauline Epistles. Request your ebook today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099.
0: In every one of Paul's letters that we're going through right now, he talks about divisions and false doctrine that crept into the church and threatened to undermine these these first century churches. Divi- if the devil doesn't get you on false doctrine, he'll get you on divisions. If he doesn't get you on divisions, you know, he'll, he'll introduce some false doctrine, sometimes both at the same time.
1: That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Second Corinthians, Defense of Ministry. Join us then for Something Good. And now, for Ron and all of us here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.